Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the VIP room for the Equine Alchemy Global Summit, Transforming and Thriving Through Horse Wisdom. And I'm so excited that you have decided to be a VIP. And part of that means that you get to enjoy more from our wonderful speaker and guest, Kathleen Barry Ingram. And also it shows me and perhaps you too, just how dedicated you are to this work and how deeply you're willing to dive in to be able to further your practice or further the work on yourself or take what these wonderful speakers and guests have given us as horse wisdom and put it forth in your life so that you can transform and thrive. So welcome again, Kathleen. Hello. Thank <laughs> you for having me back. Yeah, absolutely. Now, of course, I always love to hear case studies. When is it material? When is something that you have applied all of your wisdom and teachings to that can really uh, illustrate that that you've been telling us in the first interview, but also can just inspire us in the possibilities of this work? Yeah. Well, the story I'd like to tell today is about a man named Hugh. That's his real name. <laughs> who's in England. And let me just tell a little bit of background about him. Um, he is now a facilitator. Okay, I first met Hugh. Equine facilitator? Yes, yeah. He oh, went through okay. the program, um, the I Feel program with Sun Tui in England, and I think she's gonna be speaking to your audience sometime. Anyway, so, but let me just give you a little background on him because so much of this work now is being done with people that have post-traumatic stress and post-traumatic stress syndrome or disorder, whatever they call it, the PTSD, right? So Hugh came to us, um, and this was in England, the first time I met him. He had been a bomb expert in Bosnia. Oh my. Okay, now that's a war that, you know, that was much more affected more people in England than it did our, us. But anyway, in his job as a bomb, a bomb expert, he would go in and walk in the grasses to find the bombs, right? And then dismantle them. So big deal, right? Well, what happened to Hugh after that is that he had a very hard time even being outside. Oh my. And his wife had found out about this work with his horses. And he, he ventured, I remember he, he, he took the, the train or something like that to send to his place. And, um, and he's told us, he goes, I'm terrified. I, I, I walking on the grass just brings back all those memories, right? Mm -hmm. So we said, okay, so we took our time, you know, and showed him. And I probably knew Hugh probably for at least two years before he ever decided to go through the facilitator training program. And it was a slow process. Um, he worked with one of son to his horses named Coley, um, a Connemara gray Connemara um, gelding. And, and you could see them developing their relationship. So a reason I'm saying this because the next part of the story we'll talk about Hugh and Coley, but so he, he really knew Coley. I mean, they were friends, right? They became friends and he did all the things that we're talking about, you know, you know, teaching and everything. So then, you know, two years goes by 
and um, he decides that um, he wants to help Suntui with a program she developed called Dare to Live for people that are veterans um, that have had depression, PTSD, et cetera. So he's in the training program to learn to be a facilitator. So the last part of the, <clears throat> of the time I was there, they're, they're demonstrating to us that they know how to move a horse around the round pen. And those of you that are working with horses understand what I'm saying. So he gets in there and he decides to work with Foley. And he's in there and technically he was perfect. I mean, holy, he did this and then Coley did that and then da da da. And then Coley, you know, went from a, a walk to a trot to a canter. I mean, everything technically perfect. Guess what wasn't there? Connection. There was not connection. There was guidance. There was, okay, I'm going to be working with him. And, and he came out. And there's other students there, right? But I said to Hugh, I said, um, what happened? Well, you know, he was proud of himself. Da, 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 da. And I said, well, I know that you know how to work with a horse that way, but what happened with Coley, you and Coley? What do you mean? I said, well, you weren't connected to Coley. How did you know that? This is an important question. Yes, because he, Coley was, was, just doing what Hugh was telling him to do by the cues. But there wasn't any kind of, uh, I guess I would say I was feeling into my body exactly. and I didn't see the resonance. Exactly, you were not feeling it. Right, and then I looked maybe at the other students, this was a number of years ago, and they would go, oh yeah. So I said, let's try something. I said, and, and these people were learning how to facilitate, so I actually was shadowing the person that was facilitating them, but I'm coaching, was a woman coaching her as he's doing it. I said, make sure to remind him of the head, the heart, and the hara, what I call the hara of the gut, <clears throat> that he needs to get all three in alignment before he goes in. So she does a body scan. She reminds him he had learned about this, okay. And he goes in again, you know, goes in with a, with a carrot stick or whip or whatever you call it. He goes into the round pen with Coley. He goes in there and the first thing he does, which he didn't do before, was he walks up to Coley and connects with him. Like, hi buddy, how are you doing today? You know, it'd be like if I asked you to go do something but I haven't bothered to say, how are you doing today, Lisa? Right? And you introduce me, you're going, how are you, Kathleen, right? But, so we did that. So Coley goes, oh, it's you. Oh, yeah, okay. So then they got into the uh, the active part of it. So, because it's called active round pen. And I call it, I learned from this, I call it relationship in motion. Okay. Well, that's where that came from. That's where that came from. <laughs> because you could see the relationship between them. And Again, taking this out into the other part of the world, he will know now how to have how to have this relationship in motion to get the job done. Again, I'm always going back to what people are doing at work or whether they're doing that or talking to their kids or their spouse, you know, how do you get how do you work together to have like a mutual goal to get something accomplished, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why I call it relationship in motion, not just active round pen. Mm -hmm. 
Because I could teach somebody how to do active rumpum, but they're not connected. Which is what Hugh was doing. Yes. Initially. So he went back in there and then he did the same thing, but it wasn't the same thing because there was the resonance. Mm. Okay. And they were connected. And so did it look different or feel different? Oh, yeah, yeah, both. So let me just tell you what I saw and what I was, what the other people were feeling and the feedback they gave him. First of all, they started, they start, and that, you know, they knew Hugh's story. They were his colleagues, right? So they see him in there. They see him, he's able to actually put the whip down because they're so connected. It's a serpentine dance they're doing. It mm -hmm. is beautiful. I mean, Coley is, if, if you could see him smiling, he was smiling. So his head's up and he's having fun. It's that dance, you know, and Hugh is smiling and, you know, you could see the heart. I look around at the other students, they're all crying. They're all crying because they are witnessing the difference between going in and getting a job done mm -hmm. versus going in and collaboration and in connection through that limbic stuff that we've talked about before and having a whole different experience. So it was enhancing for for both of them. And you know, a lot of times people say, does this work help the horses? Now, this is definitely an example of how that horse got to be, you know, in that joy. I mean, he's a beautiful guy, you know, big white mane and, you know, just beautiful, right? And so he was alive and he was, and because, and he also had a say. So like we talk about horse dancing, there was a say in what was going on, mm -hmm. but there was this connection. So Hugh comes out, of the round pen. And um, I don't know whether it was me, probably it was the other student because I'm trying to like, you know, support them and learning how to ask these questions. But of course the question was, what was that like for you, right? How was that? So Hugh starts explaining it. And then um, the other facilitator said, or I said, you know, would you like to have some feedback? And so they're giving him, they're telling, they're showing him the difference that they're seeing. So it wasn't just Hugh that learned that that day about relationship Everyone emotion. Did. Everybody learned about relationship emotion and the difference, mm. right? And and why we do the work that we do. And so as an exercise we might do in a workshop or we might work with somebody individually, um, I would hope people would learn from this and go, wait a minute, it's not just active rumping, it's relationship in motion. Yeah, I've kind of I broke as a result of your doing that of this experience and Hugh's experience for years. I have broken it down into first of all, there's lung, free lunging skills. Yes, that's yes. the mechanics of it. Yes. Then there's active round pen, which you can apply those skills. Exactly. And then there's relationship in motion. Right. And right. people always say, "What's the difference? What's the difference?" And that's obviously, it. the difference is the relationship. No, so there's three things. Huh? <laughs> three again. So I was going to go back to the three. It takes three. Yeah. So there's my three. <laughs> Lunging skills, active round pen is this intermediate level. And then relationship and motion is really about how can you, it's like taking it into the world. How do you live that relationship? And yes. it's both of you. So from what I understood, I'm going to go back to the limbic work that we talked about earlier. So there was already a limbic resonance 
yes. with uh, Hugh and Coley. Is this his Coley. Name? Yeah, K O H L I is name. Right, but it was dismissed. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Yeah. The first time. And right. then there was the, so therefore, if it's not there, there could be no limbic regulation and therefore there could be no limbic revision. Right. right. So when he came out, if we're going to talk about the triad of relationship, there was Coley, there was Hugh, and there was you slash the other facilitator. Right. <clears throat> you were connected to what was happening. You were embodying what was happening. You were feeling what was happening. That's your role. And therefore, from that, you could meet them where they were right. and right. Uh, help them to make some uh connect some dots right the horse did his job okay you're gonna be that way i can go around i can go around oh oh it's you so he played his role and hugh had his role to play but was only possible if you held and the horse held and the group held the three um the sacred space of possibility for right. that revision to take place with right. you. Yeah. Is that kind of like sewing it all together? Right. And uh, uh, just one thing I was mentioning when you talk about the three. So when I'm teaching students and you're teaching students, we want to make sure they know how to actively move the horse around the round pen. Yeah. I mean, that's an important skill. So that's a skill set. Yes, right. It is. You know, where they stand. Um, you worked with my grandson over the winter, remember? Mm -hmm. And um, he had never done any of this. And he was in there. And he, he's 10, by the way, her grandson. Oh, well, I have. Well, I got a few. I got three grandsons. Oh, this was Something about the 18 year old. The 18 year old had never done this. Either, but he right? got in there and and he didn't know that he was doing that. But it was because of the resonance that he was working with your horse and they were they were doing this horse dance. See, he, he didn't go in with this idea. No, not at all. And I asked him, so what do you like best about this experience? Because I didn't even ask him what his experience was. Right. I don't think that he would have been able to articulate it. No. So I didn't put him in that position to try. He said, oh, I liked when he was following me around. And I said, oh, I know that feels so good. Why did he follow you? No, I didn't say that. I asked him, something about why did he like it so much he said well i didn't have to say anything i didn't have to do anything i just uh he listened to me mm -hmm. think about this for our young people the horse listened to him it doesn't mean that he was telling the horse to do anything but he could hear your grandson and therefore his his needs his unexpressed needs and just and saw him for exactly who he is, his soul, yeah. his heart. Mm -hmm. So let me go back to the, just to the end of Hugh, because I want to make sure this is like a pivotal thing to say. And yeah, that was great watching my, my grandson. And yes, you've worked with my, my 10 year old too, but this was my, 18, I have three grandsons, 18, 15 and 10. Don't want to forget Ian. He's the middle one. He's 10. You'll have to come next time. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, so Hugh, you know, comes out and he's, hearing this thing from the people and you know they're sharing what they felt and you could, you could see that they were feeling a newfound kind of respect and love for him you know i said hugh remember he was a bomb expert in bosnia 
I said, Hugh, if you could put in just a few words what you found from that, give them to me. And he goes, stops for a minute. And he goes, I found my soldier's heart. Soldier's heart. So he was being the soldier. He was being a person that knew how to do this work that he did. I mean, you know, not doing it anymore, but he was doing that as a leader, you know, as, as a leader. And, but it was from his heart and it was a healing thing for his heart. So here's this guy who'd done at least two years of work with, with Suntui and the, and the group and the horses and everything around his PTSD. But I believe, because I'll show you something in a second. I believe that that moment was when he really had a very um, profound healing from the PTSD that had haunted him ever since the Bosnian War. So the next time I go to England, obviously I live in Tucson, but so I go to England and um, he was there. <clears throat> he says, oh, I wanna come and see you guys. Okay. And he presents me with this. Let's see. So can you raise it up a little? Oh yeah, beautiful. Okay, what this is, is I don't know in England whether they're called sergeants, but would look like sergeant stripes here in the States, right? Um, with This is satin. And he gave this to me, put this in a frame. So beautiful. That beautiful? Yeah. And that's his soldier's heart. Right, exactly. Yeah, they lose their hearts, these veterans and people of trauma, but specifically we're talking about veterans. They lose their well, heart because they when, are- when, when he told me that, soldier's heart, I did a little research on, guess what? During the Civil War, our American Civil War, when they didn't have, they didn't call it shell shock, you know, they didn't call it any of the words that we know now. They called it the soldier's heart. Yeah. I looked it up. Wow. So, yeah, during, during the, the, the Civil War, when somebody would come back and they would have, you know, we didn't have these words then, they'd say, oh, the soldier's heart. So for him, just and he didn't know that. I mean, he's from England. He didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> so when I share that with him since then, but it's like, yeah, that's the soldier's heart. Finding so their heart they, again. Pardon me? Finding their heart again. Finding their heart again. And the word soldier was his leadership role. Yeah, not discarding one for the other. No, I know. But I mean, again, we're talking about, we always go back to this three thing, but we're talking about this, mm -hmm. you know, and again, what he was demonstrating when he was in there with Cole is that he was connected with his head, his heart, and, and, and his gut. Because that's how we got the movement, see? Right. Otherwise, it would have been a nice little heart thing or hugging each other. But no, he had all three in balance. Right. And so as a leader, with that, he, he can learn that. As a matter of fact, he's working, I think, still working with the Dare to Live program. And Prince Harry, when he was still there, now he's here. <laughs> actually met Hugh and he actually supported the program. Oh, that's beautiful. Because of Hugh's story that's and so because of what they're doing to help so many other veterans. So, yeah. I'm finding my heart just by listening yeah. to that. 
It's really beautiful. One thing that you mentioned, and I just want to say this, is how this work got started. And I have a little whole article I wrote on my website was, I was working at Sierra Tucson, which is a treatment center in Tucson, Arizona. And my job actually wasn't, <clears throat> I was actually the director of the marketing department um, and the intake department. So I really wasn't working on one-on-one -on -one clients at that particular point in time. And this was in the 90s. <clears throat> well, let's see, in the 80s. Yeah, anyway, we, when we started Sierra Tucson, <clears throat> it was an old dude branch here, excuse me, called the Brave Bull. And we can't, so we, we got, we inherited the horses, the string of horses. So, you know, some of us that were there, we would ride horses in the morning. I might go to work early or come on the weekends with my kids. They loved that. They could ride the horses, you know, it's here too, son. So it was Barbara Rector and a, and a, a guy named Reed Smith, <clears throat> who was working with us at Sierra Tucson, who had this idea, was we were building an adolescent center to employ the horses in the work. And that's how it all started. Barbara had a really long name for it. I, I never can say it, but it was a really long name. Um, but basically that's where all this work started. Now other treatment centers are doing it. People are doing this around the world, but Sierra Tucson was the first one. Um, that started this, and this would have been 1990, I think, where they actually started working. And why were they doing it with adolescents? Just like my grandson, Jay, because the kids didn't need to talk. Yeah. They were able to go in there and experiencing it. And it was Barbara and Ann that were helped, helped along with Reed's direction, because Reed was doing that. Um, and then there's another guy that came in a little bit later named Wyatt Webb, and he's written a few books and people know Wyatt Webb, you know Wyatt Webb. Um, but it was all, it all started because we had these horses and we were working with adolescents and Reed had a story of his childhood, how the horses helped him with the trauma. So they created this program. That's why when Barbara was looking for someone to talk about what she called taking therapy into the barn, she remembered me because she knew I had a, you know, psychological background. Mm -hmm. And at that time I was working as a psychotherapist in private practice. I liked working at Sierra Tucson in marketing, but I missed that connection. So that's well, how I that tells us she wanted to take therapy into the barn. Now our whole thing is taking the wisdom of the horse out of the barn. Exactly. That's a great, a great uh Segue. Completion yeah. and the Nautilus of this yes. work of self-discovery. Yeah. Well, I am just so uh, moved by that story. You know, I, I know these things. I've experienced these things, but they continue to inspire me and motivate me. And I'm just so humbled each time I, I hear it and I'm touched by the work in that way. So thank you so much for bringing that to us. You're welcome. Yeah. So again, remember, if you want to see Kathleen more, look below. You can uh, take a look at her website. And also she's going to be teaching at our retreat in February 2022 on reflections of the soul through the eye of the horse. So thank you, Kathleen. I'm very honored and um, I'm sure I will see you soon. All right, everybody. Thank you. We'll see bye you bye. soon. Bye-bye.